like Keith said, we're, we're wrapping it up. And, and I think that for all of us, it feels, uh, it feels like a big deal because, I mean, honestly, for as long as I've been here, we've been in Mark. So it's not just the snapshot series. It's like, it, it's like, a, it's like a cliff. It's a good one. But like trying to see, like, where we go next? And so, uh, so I, am, I am really excited. And, and it has been, wow, wow, wow. I have the stack of all the snapshots. And um, gosh, it's like you can't get through the stack without crying. <laughs> and it's a, good, it's a good thing because it's just, it's story after story after story after story. Snapshot after snapshot of people in need and God showing up. And... Um, and definitely, uh, we, we are going to uh, be treasuring these. These are, these are no way going to go in some folder and rot. Um, they, they, are, they are very special uh, to, to all of us on staff. And, and we, but we do, we do definitely, today, uh, we're going to take a, another snapshot, uh, another look at, at a story of faith. And, uh, and so we're going to be in the end of Mark 10, uh, and we're going to finish there with the story uh, of Bartimaeus, who is a blind uh, beggar. Uh, but before we, before we dig into Scripture, I, I had a question for some of you guys. And that question is, which, how many of you are, are planners? Yeah, we got our, if we have our planners... Uh, these are people that maybe you aren't the first to speak, yeah? Uh, a couple, you know, some of you are like, well, I didn't plan to raise my hand today, so I don't know if that's, you know, um, if, that's, if that's the conversation you're having, you're probably a planner. Um, and, and so, you know, planners are, are, are very meticulous. Uh, they, they are rarely the first to speak, but when they do speak, everybody listens because they're like, oh, they, they probably, they, they know exactly what they want to say. Um, and, you know, I always, I always find that in my own, uh, in my own life, uh, Ikea. There's probably an Ikea example for everything, right? And so, of course, you know, if you're a planner and you're going to Ikea, uh, you're probably going to be walking out of Ikea. No matter what, you're going to be thinking, let's say you get that, that big couch that you've been eyeing forever so long, and, uh, but you're in the line and you're not actually at peace. You're not excited. You're more worried because you're pretty certain that in the box you're going to find these instructions. Now, now, it's funny because these are not the real instructions because if you look and you zoom in at the last couple instructions, uh, the instructions end uh, with the, the person who bought the thing dying. Uh, and then they use the Ikea furniture to make the cross on, over your grave, right? Um, and so it is, you know, that's a planner. They're, they're terrified of what happens if in the 17 boxes, the instructions are in box 12. Like, what am I going to do until I get to box 12, right? But then we also have the doers, Right? So the doers, you know, march into Ikea, and of course, they, they kind of have a plan. It's, it's up there. Like, they, they have an idea of what they want. Um, but they are certain as they walk out, they have that smug smile. You know, it's like, yeah, look at all this Ikea. Look at this 17 boxes of Ikea stuff. Um, and, uh, but their, their experience when they walk out is, is they're pretty certain when they get home uh, that it's going to look more like, like this next slide, that they're going to get, boom. That, that the, doer, the doer says, oh yeah, like as soon as I get home, these Ikea bags are going to hit the floor and I'm immediately going to have a room full of stuff. Now, don't worry, planners, because you get the last laugh, right? Because who is showing up to the store the next day? 
yeah, the doer is showing up with the terrified look that you guys were walking out with because you were worried about the instructions. The doer was just like, I'll find the instructions eventually. Um, and, and then, of course, they come back the next day, and the planners that are there are laughing at them because they're like, you didn't measure the space, did you? Right? And, and the doer's like, I, I mean, I eyeballed it. Um, and, and, and so what we see today, it's a funny example, but what we see today in Scripture is, uh, is a, a planner, another planner, but he's going to choose to do something that's off the plan. He's going to take that step of faith where his plan gets exhausted and he just realizes it's time, it's time to do. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't all gain something from this. So if you're, if you're a planner, if you're a doer, there's, there is, there's a rich truth that can be gained from today's scripture. So let's turn. Let's turn today and, and let's remember that while, while we are about to look at this scripture, let's not forget that today, this snapshot of faith is more. It's more than just gaining sight. It's more than just gaining your sight. This is about gaining everything. So uh, I know that I've, I've done this in the past. So if you're able, if you would rise with me while I read the scriptures and then... Um, and then I'll pray after that, and then we'll get started. You guys can take a seat after that. All right, so I am in Mark 10. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 46 and then reading to the end of the chapter, verse 52. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him, be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. And throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let me pray. Jesus, your word is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective for me, and it's powerful and effective for all of us here at South Sub. So Lord, as we study it, and as we read it, and as we learn from it, help us go out from here changed, uh, changed and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So, so we see that, uh, that we have these different characters. We have Bartimaeus, we have Jesus, we have the crowd. And it's, it's interesting to, to also see the, the different context that the book of Mark is, is quite quick. It, it is the shortest of the gospels. It was written first. And, uh, and often as we go through, uh, it is very, uh, we can miss things. And, 
And one of the things that you can miss is often if you're reading uh, any kind of literature, there's, there's these categories of literature called uh, allusions or a motif. Uh, and, and those, you know, they help you understand how everything connects. So if there's a phrase or there's a character or something, they're supposed to connect all these stories together. Well, Mark is no different. Um, and, and that while we're going through the story, we can actually make some of these same connections. And so we have to also revisit that this is more about, this is more than just sight. We have to recognize this is more than just sight. And that that if it was just sight, then Bartimaeus would have gotten what he wanted and he would have gone on his way. Jesus actually invites him to do that, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And so one of these these connections that we're going to see is actually in Bartimaeus's name. And it's interesting because, you know, these are another one of those things where, you know, you can get lost here studying, you know, overstudying certain details. But this one is fascinating because it's actually a combination of, of both, both Greek and Aramaic. And it actually comes to son of Timaeus, which many translations actually writes that out. And some translations even go to the next step and, and identify that actually Timaeus means impurity. And so we have this son of impurity. And, and this, this theme continues throughout the, the chapter of, of Mark. And, and we can actually start connecting to this because just last week, we had two brothers, the sons of Zebedee, right? The sons of thunder. And, and those two brothers had a request. Jesus asked the same question. What do you want me to do for you? Okay, so we start to see these connections, and, and, but, but what, we, what we really want to focus on here is that this son of impurity is calling out to Jesus, and nobody thinks Jesus is going to listen. And it reminds me, it really powerfully reminds me of uh, Star Wars, episode eight. So if you're not Star Wars fans, I promise not to spoil anything, okay? Because eight, there's a lot of movies you got to watch to get there. But uh, don't worry. Um, Don't watch them out of order. It won't make sense. So, but, so there's this famous scene in in chapter eight, in in episode eight. And the the antagonist, the the evil character of this, Kylo Ren, he he is uh, standing side by side, uh, the the protagonist, the, the hero, the heroine, uh, her name is Ray, Ray, and um, and so they're they're standing side by side, which is odd because usually they're fighting, and then this one moment they just happen to be fighting together, which is definitely a twist. But then Kylo Ren he looks at Ray. Of course, they're you know in the, you know, in the middle of this battle, and he says, "Do you know the truth about your parents, or have you always known, or have you just hidden it away?" say it. And there's just like this tense pause. And then, of course, Ray is, you know, she's staring at him, and of course, she's, she's feeling just broken and sad, and she's like, really? This is the, this is the moment you're going to bring this up? And, 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 and then she does. They were nobody. They were nobody. And, and then he says, they were filthy junk traders. They sold you off for drinking money. They're dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert, and you came from nothing. You're nothing, but not to me. And it's such a, like, 
it's, it's such a, a pinnacle point in, in the series because we see this like tension where it's, you have these two characters and, and one is, is definitely um, the underdog. And, and of course, there's all these different layers, but at the same time, we see that he says, you're nothing, but not to me. Now, here, the crowd, the crowd is telling Bartimaeus that he's nothing. The crowd is telling, who are you? Now, if we back up just a couple verses in the same chapter, well, we have the rich young ruler. I bet they, had, they had laid out the red carpet for him, right? Oh, do you have a question? Oh, excellent. Come right over here. Jesus is standing right over here. And yet, we see that the crowd, once Jesus listens, once Jesus hears the blind, the blind Bartimaeus calling his name, the crowd is going to all of a sudden, Bartimaeus, take courage, stand up. Jesus is calling for you. Such a quick, such a quick turnaround. And yet, I find myself so often like, you know, misunderstanding who it is and how to approach Jesus. That like we assume that certain different people, people with wealth and accomplishments, you know, like the, the rich young ruler from uh, a couple weeks ago, that, oh, clearly, that's the guy that's going to make it. But he, he doesn't. Jesus asks in a, in a very similar way to the next group, the, the sons of thunder, the, the, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Uh, and, and of course, you know, John, I mean, John's going to write multiple different books in the Bible. John is, John is a, you know, the beloved disciple. But then we're going to see that in this moment, in, this, in last week, that they're going to ask Jesus, hey, can we have the power and the prestige of being on your right and left? And they're going to be sent away as well. But now we have Bartimaeus, the son of impurity, the nobody. And he's just calling out. He's calling out, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And then Jesus is going to say, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I think that's a question that, that it could be for, for any of us, right? That what do you want me to do for you? I feel like Jesus is asking that to all of us. And, and, and we have to ask ourselves, well, what do I want, right? What do I really want? And I think if we're really honest, you know, many of us, we, we want what the, the rich young ruler want. Hey, I have everything. But Jesus, what I'm not sure about is eternal life. Can you give me that too? Everybody else says yes, because I'm important. I have status. I'm the boss. I'm the CEO. I own my own business. I, I'm really a good planner. And I've planned out all of my future. But you know what? After I die, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. So Jesus, I want, I want the thing I don't have yet. And Jesus gives the answer, sell everything and follow me. Well, gosh, that's like a planner's nightmare, right? Wait, what? But then we come to the Sons of Thunder, and we know. I mean, they're, they're somewhere in between planners and doers. 
because, you know, they got that title because they were ready to go, you know, they wanted God to smite some people that were being uh, rude to Jesus. And, and so, you know, they're, they're kind of impulsive guys, but they're also planning ahead, thinking, hey, Jesus, to keep talking about this kingdom, you know, I want to save, I wanna, you know, I want that prestige. And Jesus is like, are you ready to suffer? Because I don't think so. They're like, wait, what? Suffer? I, no, we were talking about prestige and power and honor, like, you know, your friends. And Jesus is like, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's going to take. And they kind of walk away scratching their heads. And of course, all the other disciples are upset. And, and now we're here at Bartimaeus, and his, he's going to be the only one that gets what he asks for. He's the only one. And what's his line? Like, what's his line that he's going to start with? Son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. Mercy's for nobodies. But really, we continue that son of impurity, son of David. What he's actually saying here, this is the first public proclamation that Jesus is king in the book of Mark. And Jesus is going from Jericho to Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is where the secret gets out. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the king. So what is Bartimaeus shouting from the gutter? He's saying, King Jesus, I can see you. King Jesus, I'm a nobody. Have mercy. Wow. And he gets, when Jesus asks him, what is it that you want? He gets exactly what he was asking for. But the thing, the thing about a humble faith, the hurting faith, is that, that, that we, when Jesus, and he is, he is calling these people to himself, and it's the humble and the hurting take courage because Jesus is calling Jesus is calling. When, when we come to that posture where we recognize that, wow, I don't have it. I will never have it. There is, there is this issue in my life that I will never be able to solve. And, and I think even the crowd, why was, why was Bartimaeus thought that it was okay to push him away? Well, they, they were, they were able-bodied. They didn't have any impurity of the physical body. Because in Hebrew culture, if, you, if there was anything wrong with you physically, well, clearly that was because that represented something that was wrong uh, with you spiritually. And that would, you know, impurity of the body could separate you from, uh, from communication and from being part of, uh, part of worship. But this is showing who is the one person that Jesus calls and then they get what they were asking for. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was the only one. It was the humble and the hurting. Take courage. Jesus is calling for you. And I think that's part of the reason why I felt like, um, gosh, I couldn't pick, I couldn't pick just one snapshot because I think at the very core of it, all of these represent that. 
All of the snapshots that, that we have it represents a, a point in our life where we didn't have it. We needed help. And it's just, you know, if, if, you, if you could make like a keyword chart, it's just, it, it's so beautiful to see God show up over and over and over. And then when Jesus calls Bartimaeus, what does he do? The plan at this point, if he's a planner, he's like, okay, I've done the plan. I didn't really expect it to work, right? But now it's worked. What are you going to do? It's not in the plan. He just jumps up. This guy's blind and he's running. Running where, right? Like he's just like, I think I heard Jesus this way. So if they're in the way, they're just, get out of the way. Here I come, right? It's that faith to recognize, yeah, there's a time. There's a time for a plan, a really important time. And then there's that point in the plan where it's like, it's time to, it's time to jump. <laughs> and that's where those snapshots come in. That's where it's so beautiful. But then what stops us, right? We know, we know what we're supposed to do, but what stops us? It's pride. Pride. Because you can't get there from here. It's a phrase that we use all the time in English. Oh, you can't get there from here. But you can't get to Jesus with pride. I have this funny illustration. Of course, it's another Ikea illustration. Um, and uh, and it, it's in the first, so I lived in, in South Korea for four years uh, before, uh, before COVID. And um, my first couple weeks there, we were, you know, looking for some furniture and things like that. And, uh, and so the funny thing about Ikea is that everything, no matter where you go in the world, every Ikea is the same. And I promise you, like, it's the same. And so um, when, when we were there, we visited once, and they were out of stock for some things. And they said, oh, don't worry. You can come back in, uh, next week, and the shipment should come in on Thursday, uh, which was a work day. And getting to Ikea here in America is like, oh, easy. Get in my car, drive 15 minutes if there's traffic. I pull in, I'm there. Well, when you live in a city with 30 million other people, um, it's a little different. And so it's across town. You have to do a lot of different mass transportation and things like that. And if you do it wrong, it could be really long. Well, I, I decided I was going to take the bullet train. I was going to get off work, jump on the bullet train, go right there. It was going to be easy. So I get there, and, you know, my plan, it's a little bit impulsive because, you know, I'm trying to fit it in on work day. Um, but I get there. Great. Show up. Of course, I didn't check the stock online, and it's, a, it's still out of stock. So... I have to find myself, okay, all right, well, I guess I got to go home. So I go get my ticket for the return trip, um, and then there's, there's lots of, I mean, gosh, I mean, there's so many different train lanes, um, and I'm, you know, I didn't grow up in the generation that used trains, so I'm still, you know, trying to figure this out, and it's in Korean, so, but there is a sign in English, huge, over, over, come to the tracks, it says, to Seoul, and then over here, it just doesn't say that, just, it, and of course, there's, you know, multiple trains coming in. I look at my ticket time. I'm kind of nervous because it's getting towards the end of the day. And, and sure enough, a train comes in on the other tracks that does not say to Seoul. And I look at my ticket and I think, ah, I got this. I get on the train. And somebody's in my seat. And I think, ah, 
All right, I'll improvise, right? Uh, if you were a planner, you would know at this point, panic. This isn't like something's wrong. Get off this train. No, of course not. I sit down next to my seat thinking, I'll get it. I'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, it was going the wrong way. And bullet trains travel about 150 miles an hour. And remember, it's a work night. Uh, and so I had to go back to work the next day. So sure enough, I figured out as I pulled my GPS and I am speeding away from Seoul. Uh, and, and I realized, oh no. Now, how does this have anything to do with Bartimaeus? Well, so often we find ourselves approaching Jesus over and over and over and over from a position of, hey, Jesus, listen to me, I'm important. Jesus, uh, it's my turn to tell you what I want. And we wonder why we keep going the wrong way. We wonder why we keep getting the wrong answer. We, we wonder why, we, why God is, for the rich young ruler, God is saying you got to sell everything. And we're like, what? Or God is saying, oh, no, you got to suffer. And we're like, that's ridiculous. But then when we realize where we really are that, we are, that we are on the wrong train, that this train of pride that we have it all together, it's never going to get us where we want to go. It's never going to get us there. So sure enough, as soon as I got off, and I mean, I was way miles down. It didn't have the next stop. Bullet trains don't have very many stops. I jumped off that train as fast as I could. Now, I did not get home until like 10.30 because I had to like figure out what, you know, I had to really improvise at that point because I had to figure out the last, literally, I had to get on the last train back to Seoul. And I was miles away from where I wanted to be. But I had to recognize I can't get there from here. So, pride cannot get you where you want to go. So what is humility then? If humility is the answer. If humility, if a humble faith, uh, like for the humbled, if they are the ones that can take courage and Jesus is calling for you, well, it's about loving others more. It's not about hating we assume that, oh, well, if pride is, you know, loving yourself, then ha- and humility must be hating yourself. But really, it's not that at all. There's a quote that's actually by Viktor Frankl, who was a, a survivor of the Holocaust. He wrote a famous book in the 1960s called Man's Search for Meaning. And, and he says in that quote, for success like happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than themselves, or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than themselves. Now, it's a lot of words, but essentially, when we're fighting for our answer to the question of what Jesus wants, we're never going to have what we want. But when we submit ourselves, so for those planners, You stop trying to be in control of the plan all the time. And you submit to what Jesus, you give yourself totally to what Jesus has done because his plan is here. Gosh, it's it's so well written. I mean, even at the very beginning of the book of Mark, in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he tells us right here that Jesus is the Son of God. And that there's a plan, and it's so much better. And man, that's hard to do, to let go of those plans and say, Jesus, you got this. Now, don't worry, doers, you're not off the hook. Because guess what? Everything that needs to be done 
is finished. Jesus has already done the work. Jesus has already, already accomplished everything that needs to be done. So, so doers, as hard as this sounds, you've got to submit to the plan. You've got to listen to the plan. You've got to read the plan. And sometimes that means that actually we've got to sit down and, and stop trying to do things and start just reading Scripture and knowing what the plan is. And so we all have to recognize that, that humility is the way that God responds. That when we come to Jesus and we say, Son of David, King Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus is ready. Jesus is so, so ready. Now, once he answers that question, what does Bartimaeus do at the very, very, very end? Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. He has his sight. He can go where and do whatever he wants. But what does he do? Immediately regaining his sight, he began following him on the road. Because once he had his sight, it wasn't about the sight. He had everything. Where else would he go? So I want to encourage us as we go out into our summer, and as, you know, we all have plans and we all have things that we're going to do, let us remember that it is indeed humility that is the humble and the hurting that we can take courage because Jesus is calling you. Let me pray for us and, and then go from here. Jesus, Jesus, I, I am just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all the different stories that you are writing here at South Sub. I'm so grateful that your plan is so much bigger and so much better than anything I could possibly think up. And so, Lord, help me submit to that plan. Help all of us submit to that plan and know that we are in good hands and that you have done the work for us. I thank you. And in Jesus' name, amen.